glory. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Amen. Like glue. Holy super glue. Jesus. Thank you for setting the captives free from their stony hearts of religiosity. You can fly free in the glory. Tell his story, and it'll never be boring. You serve a good God who's in love with you. And you're free from the curse. You're free from religion in the garments of the priesthood of Hades and the angel of light that deceives. You are free. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. And the Lord Jesus Christ is not ashamed to call you his brothers and sisters. So who are you to disagree with the word and not call yourself one who's been raised from the dead. It's time to disagree with the doubt. Time to doubt the doubt. Time to doubt the fear. Doubt the unbelief. Doubt the curse. <laughs> doubt the imprisonment of your natural surroundings and know that the word is true. But every human being, a reptilian liar, with the mark on their forehead that needs to be removed by your love towards them. You can tell the truth so perfectly, like John on Patmos in Revelation, that it's going to offend every lie. And the offense of that lie gives you an opportunity for deliverance, <laughs> to rest and enter the peace, enter the joy. Enter into covenant with God. Stop your striving. Stop your worrying. Stop your fearing. Stop your murmuring and complaining. Stop your backbiting. Stop your gossiping. And learn to love. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But yet I will show you the highest way. Love. It is written. <laughs> oh, we're going there. Thank you, Jesus, for the highest way. You could call it the highway of holiness. It's higher than all the prophetics and apostolics you've ever seen demonstrated during the church age. The only temptation you have on a daily basis is Satan telling you all the reasons why you shouldn't love someone? Well, they're a schizophrenic psychopath and a witch. Still love them. But they're dead in their sin and they're a whore. Still love them. They serve the golden image of Babylon like Nebuchadnezzar and they're greedy. They would sacrifice any man or woman, boy and girl, even children to get rich. I still love them. They're a crack dealer. Love them. They're Jewish. Really love them. They're rich. Love them. They're a king. Like David Rothschild. A Jewish king. Like Queen Elizabeth. An English queen. Love them. You've learned to love perfectly 
all your enemies of the animal nature of flesh. Whoa. You've learned to love everyone that's stuck in the mud in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I love every sorcerer. I really enjoy hanging out with sinners every day, thoroughly. You know what? I even enjoy hanging out with self-righteous. We're hard on them on this broadcast, and we preach against Satan and the works of the devil. But every day I hang out with religious people. Every single day for 19 years since I was born again. And honestly, I've enjoyed it every day. People judge me by this broadcast saying he's not loving. But I mean, there's dozens of people that will testify that, my God, we hang out with religious people just like Jesus. Hung out with the Pharisees. We've had crackheads. Love hanging out with them. The mentally ill are the hardest to hang out with out of everyone. You know, the bipolar, schizophrenic psychopaths. But honestly, I can hang out with them too and drive out that other soul that's in your soul so you're no longer multi-personality, no longer psychotic, no longer schizophrenic. No longer double-minded, unstable in all your ways. <laughs> all those things are mentioned in the Bible. The religious people are the most bipolar, multi-personality people you ever meet because they got a spirit, they're born again, and then they developed a religious personality in their head. So when they're spiritual, they're one personality, and when they're natural, they're this other personality because they're not all in to the tree of life, they still are partially tree of knowledge. That's what it means to be double-minded, to be in the tree of knowledge and the tree of life simultaneously, which is the case of most Christians. Most Christians are mentally ill, not the minority, the majority. If it were not so, I'd tell you. You see the same crap I see everywhere. Fear so fearful. Being afraid of everything, being worried about everything, is mental illness. It really is. People are worried more about chemtrails. People are worried about getting sprayed in the sky. Like, all of that is signs of mental illness. That you're always afraid and you're not just happy and blessed and carefree like Jesus. Well, shouldn't be afraid? You're not informed. No, I'm informed with the Word. I'm informed with what's written in my heart, what's written in my mind. You're just demon-possessed and serving the angels of fear. That's how they hold you captive in the natural dimension, by telling you all this stuff and trying to prove it from science, even corrupting science, even mutilating the flesh. Sound like some religious people, you know? The Judaizers, the sorcerers, that use the law to mutilate the flesh or corrupt the flesh. These are the corruptors of the earth. Amen. The law is not good. It's not. <laughs> the law is enforced by fallen angels. Jesus and his angels enforce grace. Amen. That's a big controversy, but it's the two kingdoms you're dealing with, heaven and hell on earth. Satan is the accuser. You never see Jesus Christ accusing a person 
in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He's forgiving. He's writing, you know, freedom and forgiveness in the sand. He's letting the prostitutes go free. He's even setting the Pharisees free secretly at night so as to not even expose them from the synagogue. He didn't even say like, Hey guys, Nicodemus came to me at night. You should kick him out of the synagogue. He was even loving towards the religious, being like, Dude, go ahead, have a part of that system. I'm not even mad about it. I haven't even poured out my spirit yet, so that's kind of a, not even a really a bad place to hang out in a $40 billion house. That's how much Herod's temple cost. $40 billion. That's a great place to hang out. Good choice, Nicodemus. I'm going to destroy it, but he received the Holy Spirit. Scholars say Nicodemus did great things for Jesus after he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. He even shared his tomb, they say. That was the rich man's tomb that Jesus slept in. Amen. The Bible says that Nicodemus and some other Pharisees and real rich people, they're, they're the ones that mummified Christ and buried him in the tomb with all of the richest spices. He was buried as a king. You know that? The burial that the Lord Jesus received was kingly. You know how much those burial tombs cost? He got a better one than King David. Jesus Christ of Nazareth got a better tomb historically than King David in Israel. <laughs> True story. They put the Roman seal on it. I mean, who gets a bodyguard of, you know, Caesar's household guards? the highest level guards of the Roman Empire to guard your tomb. I mean, that's how royal the Lord Jesus was. And you can say oh, it was out of fear and they were scared, but, you know, that's how kings rule. By fear. <laughs> and that you're afraid. And there's no fear in love, but they weren't yet baptized in the Holy Spirit and they honored Him as, this is a seriously powerful dude, and if we don't do everything we can to Him, there's no doubt about it, he's going to take over the world. That was the fear of Herod. That was the fear of the Pharisees. The synagogue structure is gone. If we let this man who calls himself the Messiah keep going, there will be no more church. There will be no more synagogue. There will be no more temple. Destroy this temple and I'll rebuild it in three days. I mean, he even threatened them with the destruction of the temple in the Bible. But the body he was speaking about was not a building made by human hands, but his own flesh, called the New Covenant. Amen. And Paul realized this in 17 years in Arabia, Galatians chapter 1, when all the religious demons were cast out of him, and Paul went through severe deliverance because he was a serial killer, taught under Gamaliel, a murderer of the law of Moses and was a persecutor of Christians, the Bible says. So he was demon-possessed. When you kill someone, no doubt about it, you get demon-possessed. So you need deliverance. And it took Paul 17 years to begin in his apostolic work. He went into Arabia to learn the ways of God more accurately, and then he went up to Jerusalem, the Bible says, to test his gospel with Peter, James, and John that were apostles before he was. And the Bible says they added nothing to his message. He was taught of God and the Holy Spirit and the holy angels in Arabia for 17 years. 
Hallelujah. That's what it means to be sent of God. You do have men and women that help you out along the way. And Paul did too, tremendously. He talks about it. My companion in Christ. My co-worker in Christ. Hallelujah. And they have disagreements. Barnabas and Paul split up, went in different directions, because they weren't perfect. They hadn't learned to love perfectly. I tell you the truth. When the Apostle Paul is saying that you may come to have a deeper understanding of the experience of God's love, it's because He wants it Himself. That He's jealous for more of it. That's what it takes to heal the nations. That I'm not made perfect in love yet, because I still hold a grudge against my people, the Jews, for rejecting this gospel, kicking me out of the synagogue, stoning me to death 20 times, beating me, imprisoning me. And I love them, I forgive them, but there's a little bug in there still that says, you know what, rid the world of them, anathema, anathema. Curse them to Hades. Warlocks and sorcerers of religion, you know? But I'm telling you, there's a place higher than anathema, which means come under God's curse. Galatians 1, it is written. 1 Corinthians 16, I believe 21. Anyone that does not love the Lord Jesus, come under God's curse. Anathema, Maranatha. I mean, this is some serious, powerful destruction. Even handing people over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh. I mean, to have that kind of responsibility as an apostle, like Paul did, and like others who demonstrate it have, it's serious, because you're destroying lives in love. You're destroying the carnal nature. You don't want anyone to perish in the hopes that they would be saved. They're so rebellious, they're so bewitched, they're so stubborn. They're so addicted to pornography, they're so addicted to the religious works. They're so addicted to having meetings and appearances and looking good and the hype and the strange fire. And what do you do with the people that are addicted to the appearance of Christianity and not the river of Christ within them? What do you do with them? you got to love them. <laughs> because the root of that performance thing is the curse itself. That you are saved by performing for God and not just grace. Not just drinking His cup. And that's why John reiterates every opportunity in the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Revelation, that it's by love that you're changed. And the experience of God's love felt in your heart is what glorifies your heart out of the curse of religious performance. Receiving divine love as a gift from God. How often do you reiterate it? Constantly. That's the drink of the new covenant. That's the river of life. That I'm loved by Jesus. That there can be no confusion. That is what leads everyone astray. That's why there's such a high turnover rate. They don't feel they're loved by these severe words. To them it feels like anger, hate, and you don't accept me and you don't love me. But I'm telling you, there comes an outflowing power of the resurrection where there can be no confusion that you are loved by the Word of God. 
King of kings and Lord of lords. He's otherworldly. He's not of this world. He's of the heavenly world. Pontius Pilate testified, So you are a king. And Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my father would release legions of angels. Amen. So you are a king. He's a king of Zion. He's a king of the Holy Spirit. He's a king of the kingdom of heaven. And that world is more real than this natural world of Babylon the Great. And the floods of the kingdom of heaven world will destroy the lie of Babylon the Great, which is being stuck in the flesh, the curse of the fall, the last curse to be swallowed up in victory, death by the best wine. This best wine is coming with floods through believers that have learned to love the religious perfectly, even love themselves. Self-hatred is a major thing in religion because Satan's always beating you up, saying you're not good enough. You didn't read your Bible enough today. And it's like, and it's like, am I saved by works or by grace? Yeah. You know, and I just, I'll just lay hands on my spirit and talk the ghost. I don't feel any condemnation, honestly, ever. I mean, I'm really deep in my Father's love, and there's just no insecurity in it, and there's no... I mean, you can get so saved where all you experience is God the Father constantly, and that's what you need to get saved with. Experience God the Father's love so thoroughly in your heart that there's no question about it that you're loved, and you're such an overflow of that love that you love everyone around you perfectly, and you don't see anything wrong with them, ever. First love. God's love, agape love, unconditional love, no accuser, no flies in the ointment. The fly in the ointment is, well, you know, they love money a little bit, and, you know, they jerked off to pornography last week, and Sally smoked crack behind the dumpster. And there's always something there that, that the demon will come up and say to you, you know, about that person, why you really should not love them, and not give them a drink of the waters of life. And it's just a lying demon tempting you to close your gates. And when you close your gates towards others, you actually kill your own heart. Did you know that? That's how, after you're born again, you self-destruct. You're like, you're not worthy to receive this love. It's only for good people. You're not worthy for to have these living waters, but the Bible says it's without price. Without price means that you don't have to pay a sacrificial price of your own person to drink it. Drinking it will change you. Paying a price is trying to clean yourself up before coming to the waters of life. The woman at the well, John chapter 4, had had five husbands and the man she's living with right now wasn't even her husband. Jesus didn't accuse her for being a total slut. He said, here's the living waters, never thirst again. And she was so blown away by not being condemned by the King of Israel and the King of the Jews, the Messiah himself, that she went and told everyone in Samaria what this man had said. Come see the man who told, who told everything about me. <laughs> Amen. Because he healed her heart. The reason why she'd had five husbands is because she needed to be married to God. She needed to feel the divine love, and there was so much Jewish hypnotism and sorcery of the religious law everywhere in Israel that she had never felt love by 
any religious figure in her life. So she went from man to man to man to fill that void in her heart, just like every girl does outside of God. And there's nothing there. It's a dry place. Until you fill your heart with the Messiah, just like the woman at the well. And the waters of life sprung up in her unto eternal life. She's great in the kingdom, even at this time. Hallelujah. It's time for the springs of living waters to spring up in everyone's hearts. And it's time to love everyone unconditionally. No exceptions. People will tell me all the bad stuff about them and why I shouldn't love them. I mean, it's like the demons inside their souls are like trying to get me to judge them. This is what I deal with every day for years. People will come up to me and talk with me and give me an excuse of why I should judge them and destroy their life. No, it's been happening for years. You know, it's like, I just did all this, you know. I, I had a girl the other day at the coffee shop saying, I'm in covetousness right now about you wearing that jacket. She looked at me and said that to me. I'm coveting your jacket. And the demon in her wanted me to accuse her because she was breaking the law of Moses and coveting my possessions, wearing a, a jacket, a winter jacket. <laughs> and I just looked at her and just was like, love, love, love. You know? She didn't ask for it, otherwise I would have given it to her. Holy Spirit. <laughs> she just, you know, it's just that's how demons are. They'd be like, give, here's a reason, man of God, woman of God, Christians, <laughs> the royal race, here's the excuses why you should be in unrighteous judgment and condemn me to death. Why you should minister death to me. And that's how Satan the accuser gets all the Christians in covenant with death. By demons lying to the Christians and deceiving the demons and deceiving the Christians to come into covenant with demons of why you should be able to condemn that person according to the works of the flesh. Don't you understand that's why Jesus fulfilled the law? So that nobody could be condemned by the works of the flesh and that they could be saved by the waters of life, freely, without cost. You don't have to pay the price that Penny and I and these other apostles and prophets have paid to sit in the office of apostle and prophet in the kingdom. No! You don't have to go through refinement seven times into absolute perfection to drink these waters. It's for every single man, woman, and child in the whole world to drink without cost, freely. That's what it means to be without price. That you come as you are, in the words of Kurt Cobain. Come as you are. And the baby's there, and he's underwater, and he's drinking. Come as you are. Kurt Cobain was a prophet. I grew up in Seattle, Washington during the grunge scene. Nirvana was my favorite band. And Pearl Jam. Allison Chains. And I'm telling you guys, all those people that died on heroin had prophetic callings on their life. I'm telling you, instead of judging people that are on heroin, instead of judging people that are in sin, they needed a drink. <laughs> I know Kurt Cobain didn't meet a single Christian in his life that could give him a drink of the living waters because we are so judgmental. <laughs> we are so critical. Well, let's change the tides from the waters of death of the red dragon to the waters of life of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are two rivers in the garden. 
The book of Revelation says there is a river that proceeded from the mouth of the dragon, and the earth opened up and helped the woman, and swallowed all the bitter waters, all the waters of death, all the waters of religion. And the woman was glorified on the sweet waters of life, and the honey of, of life, and the honey and the water from the rock, and that rock is Christ in you. Now release those living waters and give everyone a drink. That's the only thing that's lacking in the world. The Christians not being judgmental and accusational and covenant with demons of death and demons of religion. You'll find revival happens instantly when you learn to love perfectly. Amen. That's the only thing that keeps a person bottled up in their own hearts and minds. Religious spirits. Because you've come into agreement with the accuser. But your sins are forgiven, woman. And your accusers are dismissed. And the waters of death are removed from your hearts and minds and from your spirits. So you can serve Christ with your whole spirit in sweet waters, living waters, which is the glory of God without measure, given to every single person in the world without cost and without price. Amen. Coming into a time of the season of flood of living water because there are overcomers here that have learned to love everyone in the world perfectly without price. Amen. They don't put any law on people. Not one fly on the perfume. And it's just like unconditional love towards everyone. That's what the, the waters of life are unconditional love of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what transforms a person's heart in one sitting. They come around and they know you're a Christian preacher, they know you're a Christian minister, and they expect to be beat up. I mean, I deal with that every day. But instead of getting beat up, they get lifted up and raised from the dead and encouraged and glorified because they drank the living waters. It's the goodness of God that leads people to change. It's the goodness of the Father. Revealing the Father's true nature that God is love and there is no bad things in Him at all. Jesus Christ said, My Father will never give you a stone or a snake. These people were so beat up by religion that they, th they thought God was Satan. That's what's wrong with all of you. It's true. It's absolutely true. You are surprised that God is not Satan. God is good and He only gives good and perfect gifts. Yeah. Fresh bread, honey in the rock, living waters, blessings, healings, breakthroughs, life and life more abundantly. There's not one accusation towards you in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ today. Not one. No matter what you've done. Because the blood of the Lamb has been spilt once and for all for the purging of your conscience from death. That's why God sacrificed His Son. So that no matter what, there's nothing. I mean, even the serial killers like Saul of Tarsus are forgiven by God in Acts chapter 9. Most of you aren't serial killers, so you can forgive yourself and forgive others easily. And give everybody love, Healing, forgiveness, learn how to love your enemies, learn how to be Christians, learn how to give everyone a drink of living waters from your spirit life. Not religiously, 
but in the fruitfulness of God's Spirit from the heart, with all sincerity. They'll be intoxicated with love. They'll be so blown away by your character, by your uprightness of heart, by your love, joy, and peace, and your fruitfulness. Then they'll want to be Christians. What kind of Christian are you? I've never met anybody like you. People say that all the time. It's like, well, I've suffered enough to remove all that bitter water out of me. All the waters of the red dragon. So, and I'm such a scumbag myself that <laughs> there's, it's really easy for me to love everybody because I've been forgiven so much. Luke 7:47. Whoever's forgiven much loves much. And when you've been raised from the dead, it's kind of like, well, is there anything else that can't be forgiven once you come out of the place of the dead? The realm of the dead, which is the realm of Satan and his angels and the demons, and you're fully aware of all the demons, and you're fully aware of all the devils, and you're totally in hell, and you're living in darkness, and God raises you into the light so strong, scales fall off your eyes, and you're seeing colors for the first time, and life is good. It's like, I can't find anything wrong with anyone after that because I've come out of so much death. That's what it means to walk in first love and unconditional love. You have all that brightness of the Father's love radiating out of you towards everyone, and it changes people's minds. It changes people's minds and attitudes towards the Bible, towards Jesus, towards Christianity. And I'm telling you, it's going to change the world. It will heal the nations as you demonstrate unconditional love towards everyone in the living waters through your hearts and minds. In the name of Jesus Christ. Well, Merry Christmas to you guys. Got the new 2018 School of Sonship available on uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube. 325 short teachings. I looked it up. It's over about 17 hours. I encourage you guys that are getting into Red Letter Ministries and manifesting sonship and coming out of religion, coming out of rebellion, coming out of your human nature into the Christ nature, learning how to live as living creatures and not dead creatures. Go through that school. We're going to start up probably sometime the 2nd or the 3rd of January because we're taking a seven-day vacation, do some snowboarding in Winter Park, Colorado. I'm so excited for a much-needed vacation. It's going to be glorious. Sadly, Penny's got to stay here. Still wrestling scabies, but she's getting over it. And we'll have lots of time in the future to go on ski trips and vacations and have some fun, even with our friends. As soon as the goat is slain, God the Father said, you could kill that goat and have fun with your friends anytime you wanted to. Just knock off your works. In the name of Jesus Christ. We'll see you guys next year. We love you. Be blessed. Partner with Red Letter Ministries. Support this ministry. Give us a Christmas seed. We could use it, you guys. Upgrade the studio. New computer. I mean, we're coming into 2019 with a bang. We're going to have Penny on the show. It's going to be a whole new season of Joel's Bar and Discipling the Nations. We'll see you guys next year. Amen.